the blast from our past network. Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, podcasting after dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us. Welcome to our Patreon-exclusive interview series for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Tonight's interview is with the star of Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, actor and singer Rob Paulson. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you here. Have me have allowing you to have me with you. Yeah, I, I want to tell you first of all, uh, and, and do a proper introduction to Mr. Rob Polson. Thank you for being on podcasting after dark. It's a huge pleasure and an honor to have you on our show. Uh, we are a cult podcast who where we break down uh, cult related movies, but we also have a set, a show called TV Obscura where we talk about obscure cartoons. Oh, great. Well, I'm about <laughs> as obscure as they come, pal. Well, <laughs> well I, I told my son, who's seven, I said, we're interviewing Rob Paulson today. And, and uh, I said, do you know who Rob, what voice Rob does? And he goes, what? I go, Mamato from Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh my God. Uh, I was just talking to Maurice uh, LaMarche, literally yesterday about uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, because that's where we both met our still mutual friend, uh, John Aston. John oh, Aston, yeah. and Sean's dad, and Sean is a dear friend. And Mo and John and Sean and I are all very close. And Mo and I were met on that show. We both fall in, fell in love with each other's comic sensibilities. But yeah, it's pretty difficult not to be kind of enthralled by John Aston. And my God, I don't remember, I don't even remember what Momato sounds like. It was kind of like a multiplied tomato or something like that. Yeah, he was, he was like, um, uh, oh gosh, it, 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 a Peter Lorre kind of bit where you took Peter Lorre, a little bit of oh, this, like, this, you know, this oh, yes, Momato. It was something like this, maybe like, a, like my name is Momato. I'm, I'm a, I'm a hot tomato, only I'm a dead one. <laughs> pretty much <laughs> yeah such an obscure cartoon that we mutually love i mean yeah. I, I thank I, you yeah it's, it's a it, great cartoon and honestly we because we just talked about it a couple months ago and uh it holds up really really well the oh, i'm the, so glad yeah the humor is no fantastic idea. i haven't um i haven't uh seen that oh my god you guys it's what 35 years old something yeah pretty much yep 
Yep. And I'm, and I'm almost 40. So that's a <laughs> feat. But no, it truly is. Um, to be able to make a living essentially doing what got me in trouble in seventh grade. <laughs> my new friends, Corey and Zach, uh, you guys probably know better than I because you've grown up, grown up listening to all this stuff. I grow, grew up performing it. But in the last 10 years, uh, as a result of the wonderful ubiquity of conventions and yeah. um, opportunities like this with brand new technology. And so it is a total privilege for which I've worked very hard to be with you guys, because I know that you represent millions of people uh, in your age range, have kids whose parents maybe watch the shows I've worked on, and they all love it. Three generations of people love to hear Tunisia, Morocco, Uganda, Angola, Zimbabwe, Djibouti, Botswana. Look what happens to your faces. Yeah, every it, time. It, right? And it is utterly uh, a human experience that transcends age, uh, uh, generations, even um, intellectual capability. Totally. By that I mean, I have lovely fans who are many of whom, as you understand, understandably, who are in the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. I also have friends who are Nobel laureate physicists. But when I say, I think so, Brian, but if Jimmy crafts corner, nobody cares. Why does he keep doing it? Nerf. <laughs> the sweet young girl who is not neurotypical yep. on the autism spectrum, who will maybe for the rest of her life have difficulty buying a Slurpee on her own. Mm -hmm. She has gifts, but they're not necessarily practical gifts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then I, but the same gentleman who teaches at Caltech and wrote three books with Stephen Hawking, they both laugh at the same place. Yep. That to me is so remarkable. And all it does is draw attention to the power of joy. It's, it's incredible, you guys. So what you're doing is really important because you're, you're spreading that and you're allowing people like me to say our piece because we're old Hollywood dogs. But, <laughs> yeah. but it has given us a brand new appreciation of what my work means. It's way bigger than my paycheck. And so I really am grateful that you've given me this opportunity. My, my wife and I are on our second uh, watch through of the 2012 TMNT. Yeah. Um, but for both of us, we're both big TMNT fans and that version is our favorite like iteration of the characters. Oh, Corey, let me tell you, um, Kevin Eastman uh, at Comic-Con, I think it was 2013. So the show had been out for a year. That, that iteration and Kevin and I are, as you can imagine, pretty good pals. And he said, dude, holy smoke. How good is the new Nickelodeon version? I said, you know what? It feels pretty good. He said, God damn. He said, I have to tell you that uh, it, Peter and I have talked about it. Uh, his co, you know, Peter mm -hmm. Laird. Laird. And it is the most, uh, it, it is the iteration according to Kevin that honors the ethos of TMNT the most specifically because people your age made it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you can tell. I didn't know what turtles was about. I knew it was a comic book, but I didn't grow up studying it. I performed it, but the people who are your age group a few years, either way are the ones who made that version yep. yeah. and they totally 
get it. And so Kevin was like, oh my God, these kids totally understood what Peter and I were doing 30 years ago. <laughs> I so mean, thank you for that. Well, and, and we also just uh, introduced our six-year-old nephew to it. He spent the night at our place. Uh, first time, you know, he spent the night at his aunt and uncle's yeah. house and we, we showed him cartoons and I showed him that and he was just like blown away. But, and of course, you know, I grew up watching the original and I know you did uh, Raph's voice. Raph is always my favorite, but I got to say your 2012 Donatello is my favorite Donatello that's ever been Thank sort of you. done. I mean, I love the stories that they're giving Donatello. Like in the first Nothing. season, they, uh, he, you know, he has to learn like why he's using the staff. He didn't want the staff, but they kind of really? really cool arcs with Donatello. And yeah. I think they did a great job. And I love your portrayal of Donatello. He's fantastic. Well, thank you. And the backstory to that is really uh, an interesting one for people as we get older. Um, I'm old enough to be your father now. And the cool <laughs> thing is about this gig is that no A, nobody cares what I look like, which is great. Because as a little kid at 27, 28, when I first started doing animation, it was a boon to me not to be typed like an average looking Caucasian kid from Motown. Yeah. Yep. Now, being an old average looking guy from Motown, I'm still not limited by the way I look. I'm limited purely by my creativity and the kindness of people to hire me. Mm. But I was almost a victim of my own ageism because uh, when I got the call to audition for that iteration of Turtles, I was 54 years old. Okay. And the first thing I said to my agent was, gosh, I'm happy to read for it, obviously. I'm not a movie star, I'm a, I'm a blue collar worker in the dream factory and, and very proud of that. I'm not a movie star, so of course I audition. But I said, do they know who I am? Not out of arrogance, but because as you guys know, there are about by that time there had already been three, maybe four different iterations of TMNT yep. that had nothing to do with the four original cast members. That's fine. Every producer wants to put their own stamp on it, movies, whatever. Not my business. Um, and I said, I just don't want to get in there and have the producer say, Oh, Jesus, that's right. This guy was Raphael. <laughs> we were little kids. Well. He's here, you know, let's just, let's not embarrass him. And that was all. It was purely my own uh, uh, desire not to waste their time or mine. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't know, because these podcasts and exchanges, and I was not really into the con scene that big. What I did not know, of course, was, or that I didn't realize, I should have, I should have known it was that all these people had grown up watching everything I've ever done. Yep. Every, and not just me, Billy West, Maurice, all of us. Yep. So the response from Nickelodeon was, well, of course we know who Rob is. We know about Pinky. We know about Carl Weezer. We know about, he's worked for us a zillion times. We just think he'd be interesting for our vision of Donnie if he doesn't mind reading. And I said, oh my God, of course not. But I almost aced myself out of a job hmm. because I was too concerned about my age. And it was yeah. a wonderful reminder of like, dude, get over yourself. Nobody gives a shit about your age. It's about your talent. And the fact that these young people, half my age, were interested in me helping them to spend $100 million is a gift. So get over yourself, just go read. And I got the job. And it, what a wonderful experience. Now, Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain are back. Yep. And the King of Hollywood himself, 
Mr. Spielberg is what, 74, 75? The first thing he did when he approached Hulu, Amazon, um, uh, Netflix, and Apple, pitched them all in person. Thank you very much. And he said, by the way, whoever buys this, it's going to be Jess, Tress, Rob, and Maurice. Yakko, awesome. Wacko, Dot, and Pinky in the Brain. We're not going to have Liam Neeson come in and be the brain and (laughs) be pinky because it's not about celebrity. It is about the authenticity of the characters. And, uh, and look, it's a hit unqualified hit again, Uh, unbelievable. So I'm a profoundly lucky guy, but I learn all the time that I don't know at all. And, and that is, that's a very big help to me because I don't rest on my laurels. I'm like, well, I've got to learn something and I'm going to, Keep doing that. So thank you very much for, for pointing that out about Donnie. I appreciate that. Well, <laughs> You're you, welcome. You, you, uh, you made a really good point just now in the sense that, you know, fame or celebrity versus quality. Uh, and, and while I don't discount, you know, some of the bigger A-list quote unquote stars, um, you know, I got into the voice acting business uh, oh, years ago from, I was a kindergarten teacher for 15 years. And then oh, one wow. day a friend of mine who was a voice actor prominent she's like you should be doing this for a living and i'm like well i don't hey. even know how to get started and she helped me get started and richard horvitz you know was- oh richie <laughs> what a piece of work that guy is huh i, I mean he's a mutual friend now because we're taking his that. classes and blah 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 and you know uh he just and and he talked about when he was uh, auditioning for invader zim you know and uh, he brought that yeah. back totally and how he had um you know he was nervous about that as well and he went mm-hmm. on his whole journey on that but this idea of like the quality, you know, playing, getting to play this character, becoming this character versus, oh, well, that's, you know, oh, that's Alec Baldwin. And, and, and I'm not discounting Alec in any way whatsoever. No, no, Because he's rightfully great in his own way. But this idea of like the, the quality that you bring to your role and, 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 and you're not Rob Paulson, you are Pinky, you know, you are really, Romano. That's the you point. Are- it's not about Rob Paulson. No, it's I not. Him, I don't write him. I would be lying if I said I don't like it when two nice young men uh, are nice are nice enough to make a fuss over me. It's, yeah. <laughs> of course, I, I, because the upshot of my work is it makes everybody happy. Yep. All I have to do is say, hello, nurse. <laughs> and you can't help but do what you're doing. Yeah. But that is because of world-class writing, world-class animating, the king of Hollywood putting his fingers all over it. Yep. Tom Ruger, who created it originally. And I am in the privileged position of bringing a soul to these characters. And as you guys know better than me, because this is your business, when it works, it is utterly timeless and powerful beyond anything I ever knew. I truly did not know how, how much people rely. Uh, I mean, I knew about you know, joy is, and, and especially now, joy, kindness, uh, happiness, laughter is more important than ever. But the extent to which that those specific things get people through the death of a loved one, yeah. their own suicidal ideation, um, impossible depression, uh, fighting in Afghanistan, and the only thing that people had to relax with, or they chose to bring their Ninja Turtle pillowcase and a pinky in the brain DVD set. Because when they would come back from being on patrol in which their job was to kill people and not be killed themselves, they got back, had a couple of beers and watched pinky and the goddamn brain. Are you kidding me? So 
uh, yeah, it's it's remarkable stuff. There's a reason that uh, when when my wife and I are about to, you know, go watch uh, TMNT or something, we're like, hey, you want to go to our happy place? Yeah, let's go to our happy place. Like that's our <laughs> TMNT 2012 is our happy place. And because thank you, <laughs> you know, we just pop it in before we go to bed and you go to bed happy. You know, it's it's just well, it's wonderful. You get it. And you and Zach um, and and folks who, who you are kind enough to share all this information with, you guys all get it. Um and look, I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is way better. Even I know that. <laughs> but all the stuff that we're touching on and what happens when Carl shows up is not about my paycheck. Yeah. Um, I get paid really well when I work, but I riff as all these characters all day long, whether it's something like this with my friends. Maurice is coming over later today because we're going to do a thing for... Um, uh, and, uh, really pretty, I think I got like 26 million subscribers, something called Watch Mojo. Mm, and, yeah, yeah. And they've done, you know, the top 10 songs of anime. So they're going to have the Great top, show. yeah, they're going to do the top 10, top 10 moments that Watch Mojo has picked of Pinky and the Brain, uh, the, the original. And Mo and I are going to comment on it as Pinky and the Brain. Oh, cool. <laughs> we do that all the time because it makes us happy. Yeah, I'm not making any money for it. It's not about that. No. Um, and I, I just, this is the only time I get tongue tied. Obviously I was perfectly cast as Jacko because I haven't shut up. For <laughs> 17 minutes. But this is where I get a little bit flummoxed, uh, utterly by virtue of, of happiness. I just go, Oh my God, I, I've won the lottery. I'm with my new two pals, Zach and Corey. <laughs> And all the people whom you represent to me, um, and we're all on the same joyful page. What a wonderful experience for us, selfishly. Yeah. But that also opens us up to sharing it, that ethos with our children, with our friends, with strangers whom we might meet. And after a brief inter interchange, that stranger left a little happier than before because you guys are cut from that cloth. All that butterfly effect is really, it's really true, man. That's kind of one of the focuses of our show is to bring people joy and to bring <sighs> joy through what we talk about. You know, while we are very honest with uh, when we break down a movie or a TV show and we maybe point out the shortcomings, we also praise the heck out of it and find the joy that makes us happy, you know? Yeah. And, and then, and, I mean, case in point, I still have uh, basically rough VHS copies of Attack of the, of the Killer Tomatoes that I transferred oh, on the DVD because I'm like, where is that show in the in the universe, you know? But it's not available yeah. yet, yet. Uh, but the idea of that, you know, th that spreading joy, more joy needs to be spread. I we, we, we champion that because the world would be a much better place if we could just get a little bit more kindness into the world, a little bit more respect, a little bit more empathy. Yeah. Uh, and, and fortunately, you know, under the guise of these wacky characters that you play, you bring that to people. Like you were saying the the kid on the spectrum versus the kid who's at MIT, it's all the same. It's universal, it. you know, and isn't that something? It is something. Well, it is, it is something. a purely utterly human emotion now we know pets get happy to see us but the the irrespective of the human to whom i'm speaking as a character yeah whether or not they're like we said neurotypical or super intellect or not whatever boom 
once something hits them that hits all humans in the happy spot, it's not about any education, any blah, 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 social status, even uh, neurotypicality, if that's the right word. It's about a human emotion and connection to joy, which is, and I can do the same thing for people in Portugal or South Africa or Finland yeah. or Japan who know these characters, even if they didn't grow up listening to them in English, there are catchphrases. If I say cowabunga, los tortugas ninjas, cowabunga. <laughs> there are hundreds of millions of people who don't speak English. They speak some form of Spanish and they go, oh my God, los tortugas ninjas. Si, cowabunga. Rafael, Donatello. <laughs> Same thing in Italy. It just doesn't, or nerf. Even the people who revoice Pinky and Animaniacs uh, in Iceland say "narf," <laughs> and it works. It's remarkable, and and to be part of that, and we all are. You and I, you guys and I are all in the same business. Yeah, yeah. To be part of that is what a what a privilege, huh? Well, well, I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I still wanna... use Hello Nurse on a regular basis. And uh, <laughs> it's it's usually not as in a kid-friendly way, but you know, it's like, hey, <laughs> it's but it's stuck, you know, it it's stuck. And and it's something like, because even when Animaniacs came out, I was already starting to get on that cusp of, of you know, a little bit too old for cartoons, but I was I was a nerd and, and I read comics. So of course I still like watch cartoons, yeah. but like, I was like, wow. And I remember how big of a deal that was when it came out. And I remember the reception it had and it was, it it was cultural. It was it was in, unbelievable, and I was I was there for the first episode, and I still remember it. It was awesome. Oh, thanks, Corey. Well, talk about catching lightning in a bottle twice. Totally, um, totally. Uh, I don't know if it's reboot mania, but there is a lot of. Re in fact, we even did a song called "Reboot It" in the in the <laughs> brand new episode, the brand new version. Reboot it, reuse it, reshoot it. <laughs> Renew it, you know, it's just, uh, if you want to make some easy cash, just recycle and rehash, come on, let's reboot it. Um, and I'll be goddamn, they did catch lightning in a bottle twice. At 25 years between the first iteration of Animaniacs and the 13 episodes now on Hulu. Unbelievable. And the next 13 are coming out November 5th. Uh, 13 more animes. Oh. It is the number one rated show on Hulu. Yeah, now, awesome. the, the metrics and the, the way uh, sh things get measured are a little different in streaming. But the bottom line is, if you, you take like Dish Networks, I saw something the other day, the Dish Network, uh, they provide service in all 50 United States. And in 43%, of the country served by Dish Network, Animaniacs is the number one searched show. Amazing. And when it's number two, it's behind like Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, something mega. Yeah. <laughs> fabulous show. But in the, in the, uh, I think 24 of the 50 states that uh, uh, Hulu or that, um, yeah, the Dish Network services. And when people get on Hulu, they search mostly for Animaniacs. That's with 13 episodes that can be binged in a day. Yep. They've been out almost a year and we're still number one. They absolutely got it right again because yeah. there's so much stuff to cull through. And people, 
understandably, myself included, have shorter attention spans because you go, nah, nah, nah. So they got to want to watch it. They choose to watch Animaniacs again. Unbelievable. Well, I'll tell you that the, the Halloween episode you guys did with it Isn't that scared, great? scared the crap out of me. And my yeah. son was like, I don't like creepy clowns, but I want to keep watching. So there's a tip of the hat to you. So. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, oh my God. I forgot the wonderful Swedish actor, um, Peter uh, Stomari. Yes. Peter Stomari, who played was it Pennywise. Yep. Um, yep. And he's a terrific actor. Yeah, he's a trip. I, I directed him. Uh, he came in and did... Uh, Ninja Turtles, the, the most recent 2D version that I was the director on. Nice. And he came in and did a couple episodes and he loves cartoons because he's like, oh my God, I can, I get a still, even though he's well known, he gets cast usually to be a big, crazy, badass nut job. Yep. And he's really good at it. Yeah. He's imposing. He looks frightening. Yes. But when he gets to be on cartoons, he's like this. They, they all love it. David Tennant did a 13 episode arc on the version that you guys were talking about mm -hmm. uh, as um, like a robot. I forgot the Nick character's name, kind of a round head. Uh, anyway, he did 13 episodes and he he's like, oh my dear, I was a big fan of Ninja Turtles when I was a little boy. I can't believe I'm on the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> like, it, I can't believe I'm hanging out with Doctor Who. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, hanging with, I'm hanging out with Doctor Who and the guy from Broadchurch and I love David. <laughs> Oh, so good. Oh my God, I love the Ninja Turtles. I mean, <laughs> happens over and, uh, um, oh gosh, uh, uh, forgive me. Who's the the terrific actress um, from um, Game of Thrones? Uh, Lena Headey? Yes. She did, I think, 10 or 12 episodes of The Rise of the TMNT, the one I directed. Yeah. So did John Cena. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute, you're the real Raphael? I said, yeah. Lena <laughs> Hetty uh, flipped out because I was pinky. <laughs> Lena Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Rightfully it's crazy. so. So, again, it's not about this, it's about the characters. And I, I'm blown away by it. And speaking of that, because not about this, uh, I want to I wanna take you back to when you were a kid oh, and please. ask you. Um, I still have the recording of myself playing with my toys when I was seven years old. Turtle toys? Uh, no, no, no. So um, we're talking He-Man. Oh. We're talking uh, Brave Star. A lot of filmation stuff. Sure. Because I was a huge fan of that at the time. Still am. And um, and I thankfully kept that recording, which reminds oh. me, and I play it on a regular basis to remind me of why I do what I do now, right? Oh, and yeah. for you to go back in time what were the characters? How did you get started with like making these voices and characters, everything? I probably no different than you guys. Um, uh, got bitten by the showbiz bug pretty early. Um, my parents were very supportive of I and my siblings uh, performing, doing music, community theater, high school theater, all that stuff. I played both sides of the fence because I was a... a a varsity athlete all through high school uh, as a hockey player back in Michigan. And nice. I also though lived, ate, slept and breathed music and comedians and stuff. Um, and so as the oldest in the family, I was born in 1956. Yes, that's right. Um, people don't know this, but I was the entertainment at the last supper. I've been around. 
Um, <laughs> in those days, I was Shecky of Arimathea and Jesus, what party that was. Um, <laughs> but I, when I, my earliest memory was uh, my parents bought me a little plastic guitar that I wore, you know, around my neck. Mm-hmm. And it was like a jack in the box. You crank it, it would play music. Oh, cool. But the music it played was Hound Dog because Elvis was the guy. Yeah, 1956. Come on. Right. So, you know, okay. So I was thrilled with that. And of course, Elvis was on Ed Sullivan every, you know, tour two or three times a year, blah, 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 blah. Carl Perkins, Little Richard, all that. And so my parents would introduce me as Robin Paulson and his neck guitar. I called it that because I was very smart. It goes around my neck. It's a guitar. <laughs> neck guitar. Uh, Sounds like a He-Man character. How about that? <laughs> yes. And I didn't, ha- I didn't quite know how to pronounce you ain't nothing but a hound dog when I was singing. So I said, you ain't nothing but an old ground hot dog. <laughs> Why not? But, and this is the big but, is it took me about this long to feel that rush of somebody. Yeah. Oh, isn't that cute? Do that again. Yep. Holy shit. It's a, it's a a very powerful drug. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you get a little bit older and I create now just the same way I did for the same reasons before, because it makes my soul happy. There's no money involved. I'm, I write stuff down and record stuff every single day Mm. and I catalog and say, uh, I'm going to use this. I've got a character I'm working on here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to find some way to use this. Even if it's in a podcast one day and I think, oh my God, I got a character that would be perfect in this circumstance. I'm going to bring it up and just ad lib. Okay. Yep. So I still do that. But then you get a little bit older and all of a sudden you don't want to admit it, but there's a little girl in fourth grade whom you have an enormous crush on and you're like, I hate girls, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> but she really digs it when you're funny or when you have a solo in grade school and they go, Oh my God, this guy's really a good singer or whatever. Or you swinging from the monkey bars, whatever it is that gets her attention. And you go, Oh my God, I'm going to do more of this. It works for whatever reason. And you get a little bit older and somebody says, Hey man, this band you're in is pretty good. Would you guys, I'll pay you a hundred bucks to come and play at my, then you go play and you make money and the girls dig you. Yeah. And then it starts to snowball and snowball and snowball. And then I should say, but at the end of every day, it's still about listening to Monty Python or my parents would say, okay, Jonathan Winters, it says in the TV guy, Jonathan Winters is going to be on tonight show this week. If you get your homework done, you can stay up Wednesday night and watch uh, um, Jonathan Winters on Johnny Carson. Classic. That's 1130 at night on a Wednesday. And you got to be up at 7.30 to go to school. So if you get your homework done, you can watch it. No VHS tapes. We didn't have any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so my parents fed that beast. Um, and that's how it started. But years later, I got to live in real time the axiom that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Mm-hmm. Because... I certainly didn't realize when I was 8, 10, 12, 15, 20, 25, that I was going to specifically find my uh, niche in the uh, animation business in Hollywood. Uh, 
Acting is acting, whether it's voice, your body, whatever. I have a huge theater background, lots of live performance long before I did animation. Virtually everyone else who does this gig has the same story. Tress McNeil, Maurice LaMarche, Billy West, John DiMaggio, Tara Strong, you name it. Kevin Conroy, obviously Mark Hamill, uh, Pam Adlon, over and over and over and over. We all have the same type of background. Um, but little did I know when creating things and singing simply because it made my soul smile would put me in a position when Tom Ruger and, and Gene McCurdy, the creator and the head of Warner Brothers Animation respectively, said, hey, Rob, that, you know, we really enjoyed working with you on Tiny Toon Adventures, but Stephen has got a new thing we're all doing called Animaniacs. Mm. Clean sheet of paper, a lot of music. Wow. We know you're a singer. We know you can sing in character. We know you have really good improv skills. So we'd love to have you audition. And you guys, it was like, this is the opportunity. Yep. I've been preparing for 30 years. I just didn't know it. I think I'm getting fixing to get lucky. Yep. And I did. And it's the only time in my career where I've ever walked up to a producer and said, um, and this was with, with hubris, but not arrogance. I said, if you don't hire me for this, you're making a mistake. Mm -hmm. Now, I knew that I was going to have to audition just like everybody else. And I had six callbacks over almost two months before I finally got the job. Wow. But wow. I was right. It was my pitch. It was right. The high heat right in the strike zone. And all I had to do was make contact. Um, and I was right. And we, the trick, I think, in life, if I can get a little existential, please, is that we all have our pitch, sometimes more than once, the trick is realizing it. Mm -hmm. The trick is having the presence of mind, or the gift of saying, you better pay attention to this, son. This is a big deal. So at the very least, you owe it to yourself to leave everything on the audition table so that if you don't get it, it's only because you just weren't right for the gig Yeah, that you don't want to leave going, Oh my God, I should have. Why didn't I, I should have done this. They gave me this opportunity. I should have done that. That's all BS right now is when you got to focus. And I, I was right. Um, it served me so well. Uh, and to get to do this again at a, at, a, at a crazy high level with the best of the best and the king of Hollywood, yeah. um, I was, I'm very grateful that I had the presence of mind to understand that that was my chance to get lucky. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's often, uh, of course, there's luck involved, but a lot of it is knowing when you have an opportunity to get lucky. Yeah. And having the skill, the, the preparation that you the put into it, the time and effort yeah. and everything. And yeah, 10 years before that, I probably, I would have been, let's see. Oh, I would have, I, I, I was already a, a, an accomplished singer and I was working in Hollywood, but 10 years before Animaniacs, I didn't have the improv skills. I didn't, uh, at moreover, I didn't have the competence in my general skills. Animaniacs came along at about age 35 and I thought, holy shit, I am so ready for this. I know these people. They know me. They've thrown me a bunch of curveballs and I've delivered. And I am going to have a chance to work with a 40-piece orchestra. I read music. Mr. Spielberg knows my work. 
Tom Ruger, Gene McCurdy, all these people know my work. I know the animators. I know the writers. They can write for me. They already have. This is it, dude. If, if you're going to make your mark in this area of Hollywood, it doesn't matter if you didn't come out to do this percent. Yeah. Yep. You're fixing to get lucky, but you have got to use every trick in your little toolbox. Focus. This is not just another audition. Um, and that is where I feel very fortunate that I knew that it was time to really figure it out. And I did. And then you think if you had gotten to that uh, audition a few, even a few years prior, you wouldn't have probably had that mindset uh, going in there. I wouldn't, honestly, uh, Corey. And I know that because I've had a chance where I've, I've blown it, not blown it. I take it. That's not rude. Uh, I, I'm sure I've blown auditions. I forget those <laughs> because it doesn't do me any good to dwell on them. Yeah. Um, but blown is not the right. I, I would not have have had the confidence of my skill. I knew that I had the makings of a guy who could make a living. I just didn't know, it hadn't all congealed yet, right? So by the time I was 32, 33, 34 was when I thought, okay, now I've grown into, I'm, I've been in Hollywood for uh, 10 years. I know how it works. I'm still here. I've been broke more times than I care to count and I figured it out and I'm able to compete with people at a very high level. This friend of mine I've known for five years and I've been in acting class with him. He and I have worked together all the time. He's got a series. This young lady just got hired on a feature and now she's got a three picture deal. I know these people and I can compete. Mm -hmm. And so in my early mid thirties is when it all came together and I said, okay, I can make a living at this and I deserve to be here. And I'm not afraid. I, I know that I'm as good as I thought I could be. And I, and I can get better. And that was a, a very exciting time for me because I thought, not only am I able to do this, but I'm 35. I'm going to yeah. be doing this till I'm like Dick Van Dyke. I'm, I, yeah. I, I could do nothing but get better. Yeah. Oh my God. You really do have to focus on this, Rob, because if you get this show, it's going to put you on a much bigger, more important map in the context of Hollywood. Um, and you've got no place to go but get better. What an opportunity. You're going to get to sing in almost every half hour and great music. <laughs> Not only sing, but also, yeah, sing to a particular level, a particular place that right. many people really can't, if you really think about it. Like you were saying, all the pieces in this puzzle all came together. Right. Lightning in a bottle. Exactly. <clears throat> but you but you hit upon a few really important things. One being um, confidence, obviously, yes. within yourself. Two, being able to let go of failure. And, and, Absolutely. and three, you said, you know, you, you were so, you broke so many times you forgot, right. That we, when you hit that low place, you were able to pull yourself back up. And I think oftentimes it's, an, those are important areas to, to kind of hit upon, oh especially for our listeners, because they hear that and they're like, well, I can't do this. I've been struggling away. You know, 
I, I equate voice acting in a way, I went from being a teacher, like I said, for 15 years, kindergarten teacher, a consi consistent job to auditioning all the time. Mm -hmm. And I said, I went from a long-term stable relationship to dating every single night and spending all my money on every Great single analogy. Yeah. And then the next thing, you know, not hearing from them the next day, but I yeah. thought we had this thing, right. You know, and, but how do you overcome that? You overcome that through experience, right. And, 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 and trials and tribulations. Um, but I think those are important things to recognize that we all go through those things and oh, how did, you were able to pull yourself out of these dark places, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm so glad you brought that up because, uh, look, first of all, no one gets out of here without a couple of dings and no one shows up, uh, on this rock by the time they're grown up without baggage slash luggage from their parents. No yes, one. Totally, the only totally. difference really is whether the baggage is Louis Vuitton or American tourister. We all have baggage. Yep. Um, and yes, your question is very good because there is an existential component to this. Just the fact that I happen to be an actor and a singer and I work in Hollywood doesn't mean that my story and the ways in which I've dealt with difficulties are not applicable to everybody. Yeah. And I'm not a sage. I'm just experienced. And I'm a little maybe more articulate than some people in how to explain how I, because I'm, I'm in the communication business. Yep. Um, but uh, when I get down, and I still do, I'm human. I don't have the same circumstance about being flat broke anymore. But we all go through difficult, my God, we're living through some of the most impossibly difficult times in which the phrase we're all in this together has never been truer for sadly, not always the greatest reasons. Yeah. But the lessons are still the same, especially if you're lucky enough to be like you and I, Zach, Corey, I'm not sure what you do for a living, but to be able to, and maybe this is it, I don't know, but when you when you choose uh, something that is not necessarily a steady thing mm -hmm. over the steady thing, because it satisfies your soul, and more importantly, because you can't not do it. It really is like a drug. It's a drive. Yeah. Um, firstly, that's a gift. Not everybody, in fact, sadly, a lot of people aren't bitten by whatever bug you and I have been bitten by. Yeah. They never know whatever, what it is that makes them go, oh my God, I would give up. I would move heaven and earth to do this. A lot of people never find that. These, uh, I, what I'm able to do, whether I was 25 and broke again, and I had just quit my previous day job to go on an audition that conflicted with my day job. Oh. And the, my boss said, well, look, if you don't show up for work today, you're done. I, I understand. I thank you very much, Mr. Johnson. I got to go. It's a callback for Hill Street Blues. Yeah. Did you wow. get the Well, no, but it's a callback. Uh, Rob, I, I can't leave it. I can't save it. All right. So I'm fired. But I go to the callback and I don't get it. All right. Then that night, I'm shit. I'm broke. My $8 an hour job is now being done by someone else. Mm -hmm. I didn't get it. I did a great audition and hopefully the casting director will remember me, but I reckon I'm going to have to come up with something. And then I would literally, and I do it the same thing now. 
all things being equal, Rob, where would you rather be? Would you rather be back in Michigan? Uh, and, and this is not an aspersion, but no. would you rather be doing something just because it was a gig that paid well? And on the weekends, you lived for that time because then you got to go play with your rock and roll band like you're in a Viagra commercial. Would you rather, <laughs> would you rather do that or would you rather be here? Which is your choice. No one forced you here. Um, you made a courageous choice. It even cost you a relationship because this is how much drive you have to be here. What would you rather do? And it's perfectly honorable to say I've had enough. Um, but you got to be honest with yourself. And every time it's, nope, this is where I got to be. And yeah. that is a huge gift to be able to really take it apart, dissect it six ways from Sunday and say, no, I'm broke and I'll figure it out. Yeah. And then yeah. six months later, you're thinking, oh my God, am I glad I didn't listen to my sad self for a yep. couple of hours. Yep. I'm glad that I'm able to tap into whatever that Jones is mm -hmm. that is still present at 65. I promise you every bit as much as it was at 25. Yeah. And that my friends is an enormous gift. So I really encourage younger folks um, to try to find it. Obviously, if you're 45 and a chemistry professor and you got three kids and you live in Buffalo, it's not smart to say, I'm going to go to LA where the cost of living is about 35% more with my kids. And I'm going to get an agent and be in the moving picture business. Yep. That's not the point. The point is that there are still ways to have something that lights up your soul yeah. as your avocation. So that when you do go to work, it's something you're not particularly thrilled with. You're in a frame of mind that is so positive because you know that you have your avocation that's, that lights you up. You become a better father, a better husband, a better employee, and a better human because you have something that makes you happy. That's a big part of your life. And that, that, I mean, all of that is ringing so insanely true for me. Yeah. I know, I know a lot of things for Zach, but you know, I, I had a, I had a rough go in, in LA for about 15 years and I'm living up in Oregon now with my wife, but you know, and I've had a whole, you know, breath of jobs, uh, you know, right. getting paid well, but I couldn't, I can only put 13 hours uh, a day, seven days a week into our thing like this. Yeah. I can't do that for somebody else. I can't do that. I can't give anyone else that energy, but I can do it for myself. And even my nephew is like, what do you do, Uncle Corey? And I'm like, well, I, you know, I run this podcast. And he's like, what does that, what does that mean? Because his dad and my wife are both, uh, they both work for Trader Joe's and everything. And I was like, look, I couldn't do what your parents do. They're, I would have been fired so long ago, you know? And I'm just trying to tell him like, Everyone is kind of built differently and not every job is for every person. Um, yeah. But this isn't about me. I do want to come back to what you said uh, way earlier when you were like, uh, I deserve this. And I think that's a that's an also a, a, an important yes. mindset to have, um, because yeah. even now, even with all the years of hard work that Zach and I put into this in my darkest hours, I don't know if I fully feel like I deserve success. You know what I mean? That's a hard thing to say, oh, because sometimes you also get so used to the struggle and the grind that you're like, oh, the grind is the end. It's like, no, it's not supposed to be. Well, but like. But I, so that that meant that mentality of I deserve this, I think, is very, very important for success. Yeah, I agree, Corey. And and uh, it, you're both very articulate uh, and, and you you 
uh, you get it. And when I say get it, um, confidence and success, whatever that means, it does not, you know, like I said, I've been rich and I've been poor. I like fast cars, rich is better, <laughs> but I don't, I'm not able to earn significant amounts of money if I'm focused on earning the money. <laughs> For me, the way to get to financial success in my gig um, is to be focused, like I was with the Animaniacs thing I was telling you about, on, on what makes me happy, what has gotten me to this point. The passion I have where people say, oh my God, I can't wait to get Rob Paulson on my podcast because the guy really seems to be genuine. I am. This effusiveness, this is exactly how I move through my life. I have no reason not to. Jesus yeah. Christ, how much better could it get? But I've worked really hard for this. Um, and so uh, just as you said, getting in a place where you feel like you deserve it, it's not about entitlement. No. That's a different story. That's being born and saying, because you can throw a football or play hockey at a certain level, you deserve everything. Well, you don't. We really deserve nothing but to hopefully be loved, and a lot of people aren't, and then die. I mean, that's pretty much all that, you know, that's all we're guaranteed. And, and a lot of people aren't even guaranteed that because they brought, they're born into families who, who aren't able to take care of them. Mm -hmm. um, I, I believe, when I say I deserve something, I think confidence and humility can totally go hand in hand. When I am able, when I was able to look around and say, wow, the people whom I respect in my circle, Phil Hartman, Paul Rubens, Maurice LaMarche, Frank Welker, Peter Cullen, um, Brad Garrett, Carrie Elways, Mark Hamill, Kevin Conrad, all the people who are my friends and my peers who take the time to say, I want you in my show, or, hey, Robbie, I'm doing this live thing. Would you be part of it? Then I start to think, okay. Now I'm a player, uh, and I don't mean a player. I mean, <laughs> right? and now I deserve to be here. Yep. I be I know that because the people whom I respect and I put on a pedestal far higher than my own are telling me that. I trust the sources that make me feel like I deserve this, and with that comes confidence that I. I, I couldn't get any other way by, except by learning and by doing it and by learning to love the hustle, learning to love the struggle. You have to, you have right. to. And struggle is with a small S in my terms, because I chose to be here. Yep. Uh, you know, we're in a position now where people are come to blows over wearing a goddamn mask because it impinges on their freedom or their rights. Well, with all due respect, turn on any news meet, any news outlet right now and watch what's happening in Afghanistan exactly. and talk to me about inconvenience. Yeah. Talk to me about your rights. Talk to me about what a pain in the ass wearing a mask is. And, and if you still got get bent out of shape after watching this, then shame on you. Mm -hmm. Shame on you. You don't have to agree that it's good or bad for everybody. Oh my God, it makes me feel tough shit. Yeah. Put the mask on. 
There's all this evidence out there that this is what we need to do. Just give yourself five minutes to see what other people struggle with or what is inconvenient yeah. or, or impinging on their freedom. Shut up. And that's where I, I am able to quantify and contextualize what a struggle is. Yep. So that when I get back, oh my God, this is really hard. Well, yeah, there are a million people who want to do what you want to do. What did you expect, you idiot? <laughs> You're in Hollywood. Anybody who has a taste of being the lead in their high school production of damn Yankees, <laughs> they, they come out here. Some of Why? them are really good and some of them are not. But of course, look at the people you're surrounded by. Yep. Nobody knew. I, I knew Phil Hartman and worked with him for years before SNL. Everybody in Hollywood knew what he was about. Now the world does. Yep. Jesus. It, you know, so struggle is relative. Working with kids, I think, is a oh. great way to. Amen. Talk about humbling. Yeah. <laughs> Identify uh, what is considered a struggle for them and like, oh. look. Yeah, if a kid has to wear a mask for seven hours a day at school and doesn't complain about it, then I don't think we have a, a right to no, complain I, about five minutes in the grocery store. <laughs> exactly. And look, I, I'm not trying to proselytize. That's not my point. Mm -mm. But but the point is very salient, especially in this day and age. Yes. What we're dealing with, uh, no one in our country, living or dead, has ever dealt with this with a similar set of confluence. Uh, or, 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 or what am I saying, of, of uh, overlapping difficult circumstances yeah. than us, us right now, yep. politically, yep. January 6th, irrespective of your politics, the incredible tribalism and, and division in our own country, seeing how that spills over to the rest of the world, COVID, oh my God, and we're able to watch it in real time on our phones. Yeah. So- all we need to do is have the presence of mind to sit back and look at what's going on in the world and hopefully be able to say, okay, all right, I don't like this mask thing, but please let's, let's realize that it doesn't have to be about politics. It doesn't have to be about tribalism. It doesn't have to be about saying, fuck you, they're my rights. N no, it's really, and if you want to make that big a deal out of it, then respectfully, shame on you. Yeah. Please avail yourself of the opportunity to learn what struggle is like. You guys, six months ago, something came across one of my news feeds of a refugee camp in Syria. And there was a young fellow who looked to be maybe eight or nine years old. He was playing with a deflated soccer ball. And filthy, he was there with his family. And their biggest issue is what to eat that day, just that day. And how do they go to the bathroom? Just that day. Yeah. And this young fellow was wearing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles t-shirt. Now, trust me, the incredible twisted irony of that was not lost on me. That would never, ever be my child. My son's grown now. But I know no one in, in my circle, even in LA, in terms of what's you know, living on the street, it's brutal, but it's not like that. Yeah. And I will never know what that's like. Yeah. Most of us, thank God, will never know and never have to see our baby 
playing with a deflated soccer ball covered in filth with a Ninja Turtle shirt on because he likes Ninja Turtles. I mean, it's mind blowing, but the opportunity to contextualize what is a difficult time for me in this country, in LA County, it is stark. And it's a great opportunity to learn every day of, all right, talk about it could be a lot worse. Suck it up, figure it out, and move on to the next thing. And if you decide yep. this is no longer for you, great, move on to something else. But do not wallow in how difficult it is to wear a mask. I'm no. so sorry. It's just not about that. No, yeah. you're, you're not going to get a disagreement with us on that <laughs> at no. all. I think no. we're all on the same page. But yeah. and it's not about politics. No, it really it's is. not. It's you know, not. I, I got no problem with what you believe, but yeah. please, when you when you choose to use this as a as the you guys say in this day and age, a hill to die on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> please look at literally what's unfolding in Afghanistan right yeah. now. People are so desperate to leave that they were willing to hang on to a C one thirty and drop fall to their deaths. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, yeah. Please, if you seriously, if those people say, "All right, I'm." Sorry, we're going to let you into the to the United States or France or the UK or wherever, but you're going to have to wear a mask. Okay, and what's the catch? Yeah, what's yeah. the problem here? <laughs> you might have to live in a, a refugee camp, but but you know you'll have food and, and a blanket, but you're going to have to wear a mask. Okay, what's the catch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that yeah. literally is what's happening. That's how silly all this madness is in our country. Um, so I appreciate you letting me ramble, but it's so important because it, it applies to everybody in what we consider to be difficult circumstances. Well, I think it comes back to what you were talking about in the sense of what is what truly defines a struggle, right? Yes. Right. And, yes. and 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 you know, forging out your path, uh, trying to achieve your dream. There's going to be struggles along the way, of course. And, and and what how you look at those struggles versus perspective of other struggles in life. You know, my son who's seven, I, we, we practice this thing. We say, uh, I'm grateful for what I have, not what I want. Right. And, and it's such an important perspective to have. Absolutely. Uh, that I need to say for myself at times, we all oh. do right oh. on a regular basis. Uh, I'll be, I'll be using that. Zach, I'm going to be stealing that from my own personal mantra as oh, well. No. That's a good one. Right. Well, you beat me to the punch, Zach, and you and Corey, like I said, I, I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you guys get it. Yeah. I say to myself, and I have since I was, I don't know, 15, I want what I have, mm -hmm. and I do my best to take what I'm given with as much grace as possible. I want what I have, and I take what I'm given with grace. Like you said, nobody has, uh, everybody struggles. Whatever that means. Sometimes it's disease. Sometimes it's finance. Sometimes it's, it's divorce. Sometimes it's being in a refugee camp in Syria. But if you can contextualize a struggle and deal with it for what it is, uh, you're going to make it. Yep. Uh, and you will still leave here with a bunch of deep wounds. You can't help it. It's totally. part of the deal. Um, but I'll tell you what, the people who have dealt with it and have found a way to, to move through their lives with grace and acceptance and courage um, and faith, whether it's in yourselves or a religious tenet, 
end up being happy people. Yeah. And then they end up having happy children or at least children who can take a punch. And I, and I mean that yeah. obviously. Yes, yes, totally, totally. And, uh, and then get through it the other, uh, through the other side. Dick Van Dyke was an alcoholic for 25 years. It cost him relationships. It cost him this, it cost him that. He's 95 now. Yeah. And about once or twice a year, he lives over the hill from me in Malibu. He's in the Starbucks in Malibu and somebody has, a, uh, you know, their phone and says, oh my God, oh my God, it's Dick Van Dyke. Mr. Van Dyke, I'm sorry, I'm a huge fan. Well, thank you very much. Do you still know? And all of a sudden at 95 years old, super fellow, <laughs> and everybody flips out, the whole place lights up and Dick Van Dyke goes back to his lovely home. And it's not about money. Nope. It's not about it. his story is right out there for everyone to see. Ultimately, it's about a human connection that we all can cultivate and bring joy to one another. And it's not a big secret. It's just doable. You just got to you just got to be present like you guys are in understanding that that's just part of the deal. We all go through this. How do we turn a silk purse into a sow's ear? We can all do it. So Absolutely. Vice versa, so <laughs> trust me, I've done that too but oh, yeah. on my own stuff, but thank you very much. Well, I was going to say too, be, besides obviously what you're currently working on and, and with the Animaniacs having its, you know, the next season coming out in November, you said, right? Yeah. November um, 5. But you also have a, you, you have a podcast as well. I do. Thank you. I, I think it's in its fourth or fifth iteration now. It's called Talking Tunes in which, um, Yours truly chats with everyone who does this gig from whom anyone who is a fan of tunes will want to hear. Mark Hamill, you know, Kevin Conroy, Maurice LaMarche, Frank Welker, Peter Cullen, Overnight, Tress McNeil, Lorraine Newman, you name it. Um, and a bunch of new folks who continue to blow me up, uh, like um, Justin Roiland and uh, Eric Bauza, uh, people who, who come on the scene only in the last five or 10 years out here and yeah. people who grew up watching what I and my friends have done. And now we're inspired to create Rick and Morty because they loved animaniacs. Yep. So they hire me on Rick and Morty. And then I say, Hey man, you're pretty good at this. Why don't you come on my, my show? Oh, you mean talking tunes? I listened to it when I was growing up <laughs> and now they're going, Oh my God, I'm on talking. Tunes. <laughs> oh my God, I'm on with Justin Roiland, you know? So it, we really do feed each other's creativity. You do. And yeah. And to the extent that my story or my podcast inspires people, that's exactly what we're here to do. I didn't make a dime on that podcast for 10 years, not a dime and, or no, eight years, eight years, but I didn't do it for that. Hmm. I did it because yeah. I had a blast and it turns out that everybody got a kick out of hearing from, um, you know, uh, Jess Harnell and, and, the, the people with whom I work on a regular Sean Astin and, and Seth green and yeah. all the usual suspects um, because they love to hear their backstories and they come to find out, wow, Mark Hamill is no different than me. He auditioned, he ultimately auditioned for star Wars with a bunch of other people on an opening, open, open call. Yeah. Like a bunch of other people. It's insane. Holy shit. <laughs> I can do this. Of course you can do it. it, it and, and it's only up to you to decide whether you want to keep doing it. Exactly. Exactly as it should be. So when people say to me, you know, I'm really thinking, Mr. Paulson, I really love performing, but I live in, um, you know, I live in, in just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm. 
It's the other side of the country, man. I, it's expensive. It doesn't, isn't it hard? Well, depends on what your definition of hard is. Right. I, hard to me is being a policeman mm-hmm. or yeah. pouring hot tar on a freeway in Phoenix in August. Yeah. That's a hard job. Operating a farm is a hard job. Right. Being a teacher is a hard job. Yep. I don't know anybody who is forced at gunpoint to be an actor or a singer nope. or say, this is the family business, maybe Drew Barrymore. That's about it. Yeah. I can't think of anyone who said, yeah, your mom and dad said, you really got, you know, if you're not, not going to be in show business, I'm really going to be disappointed. No, no, no. 99.8% of the time, it's just the opposite. If you yep. go into show business, I, I'm going to disown you. That happens to people. Or, geez, I really love you, Rob, and I thought we had a life together, but if you're going to go to Hollywood, I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't do that. Really? Yeah. Well, I reckon we've hit a problem, haven't we? Yeah, because I love you, but I don't know if I love you enough to go out and not have anything concrete till you figure this crazy showbiz shit, showbiz shit out. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, I love you. I'm so sorry. I don't love you more than the excitement I have to perform. I reckon we got to move on. That happens every day in this business. So if it's hard, then, and, and you can't get over how hard it is to the extent that you can't function, you're in the wrong business. Right. Just like you would be if you're a, uh, um, an orthopedic surgeon, and you say, I, I'm, I just really, really want to own my own restaurant. Then, then, then the orthopedic surgeon is hard because you don't like it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I, I always, I don't mean to do it disrespectfully, but I say, look, please think about what hard is in your life. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's competitive. Of course it is. Everybody comes here. Yeah. to do this what if i don't make it how do you want me to answer that then you don't make it i, I would always rather try and not yes. make it than than never have tried at all well you're right and it's and, and again i have a tendency to ramble but when i get these wonderful no. opportunities i love to do it because i know what i'm talking about and i'm not just i'm not trading off of something i did 15 years ago hey you remember rob because he was my motto no 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 I, I do this. I'm going to be doing this literally after we get off this chat, this wonderful chat. I'm going to be doing something to make money in Hollywood, doing what I'm trained to do. Yeah. And so I know what I'm talking about literally right up to this moment. And you are 100% right, Corey. Um, I, I was always frightened of the, uh, of the notion of literally being 45 or 50 years old and saying, at, uh, uh, I should have. Why didn't I? Yeah. You know, um, even if I scratched that itch and I found that LA wasn't for me, but performing in this new way in which I get to perform and, and inform vis-a-vis podcasting, oh my God, I am all about this brand new technology. Yep. And turns out that I'm really good at it. And my partner, Zach, and I are killing it. And 
I don't have to go in LA where gas is a dollar a gallon. Back. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. But you're living that axiom that kind of you got lucky by being prepared and something else popped up. Yep. I'm the same thing. I came out here ostensibly to do music and live action. And I was. And then animation popped up as another way to ply my trade in Hollywood under a Screen Actors Guild uh, uh, certified job with actors I'd grown up watching on television. And now I found out, oh, this is where this is where I'm headed. So, yeah, it's about giving yourself the opportunity to try stuff. And and you can decide then with honesty and authority that you say, I tried this wasn't what I thought it was to be. And there were aspects of it that just didn't fit with me. Great. You're not going to be 78 years old going, oh, my God, I really wish I'd tried that when I was 25. Why didn't I? That's a huge gift to yourself, man. Really? I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you tried us. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, man. Well, I like I said at the beginning of our I should say my rambling. Uh, you guys um, have given me a, a, an opportunity for which I've worked very hard. Uh, it, it truly is a privilege to be in a position now that smart, young, driven people like you and other men and women uh, take the time and, and often seek me out and say, hey, man, I, I heard you do this. I, I really would love to have you on our podcast. We're a little bit different. And we, you know, you're, you're, we're also about life lessons and, and learning from people who have who have been out there and taken a couple of hits. Yep. Um, because that's what we're here to do. Totally. You know, I, I, I love this. And, and again, it's a privilege. So thank you very much, folks. It's really great. Sincerely. Yeah. Um, it's an honor to have oh, you. Oh. And, and I, I know, I know uh, as, as, as humble as you are, you just need to take that and, and own it that, that we, having you on our show is, is a tremendous deal. Um, and I hope that we cross paths, uh, oh, down the road. Trust me, boys. It would be my great pleasure. You are. Uh, and look, I do this a lot. I really do. Um, and I seek it out. This is not a chore for me. I, by the way, just for my own personal, uh, I, I always love to get this off my chest. If, and when you run into a, uh, uh, celebrity, especially one who believes they're a celebrity, and they are curt, short, a little difficult. Don't let them get away with that shit. We choose this as we've already discussed and beaten it to death, but it is you who are giving me and others an incredible opportunity by giving us your time. So if somebody is like, yeah, all right, I'll talk to these guys. Huh? Hi. Yeah, no, I think so. Hang on. Hmm? Uh, yeah, no, it was a great movie. Uh, uh, screw them. It is you who are doing us the favor. It's not false modesty. I'm really good at my job. Yep. But there are a zillion actors who would trade places with me in a heartbeat. Yep. And uh it is I who am very grateful for you. And, and I am dead serious. As I said, I do this a lot. You two boys get it. Uh, your families you. are lucky to have you. And I have no doubt that you've chosen wisely in your partners because you're very bright. And, uh, and you get how big this is with the joy and, and moreover spreading it. Yeah. It's 
especially now, is really important. And the fact that you guys uh, have partners and children, uh, how lucky are your kids to have inspirational parents and, and whether it's uh, nephews, nieces, the fact that you guys are in their lives and you live your example every day is a big, 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 big deal, you guys. And it has nothing to do with movie business or money or stardom or even your podcast. That's great that you can reach more people, but your example every day on how you behave to the people whom you love, especially the younger ones, is a an incalculable gift to them. So thank you because you're you're helping to make better citizens, and that's a big deal. It's a Thanks. pleasure. Well, it, it, I mean that's amazing. But and and from my wife and I uh, both, uh, honestly, it's my wife just wanted me to tell you this. Thank you so much for all the characters you gave us, and thank you for the happy places that you gave Uh-oh. us. So. Thanks a lot, you guys. What a pleasure. And I, I please have a lovely rest of your day. And you too. it would be an absolute gas to get the chance to shake your hand in person one day. We'll see you down the road for sure. All right, guys. Take good care. You have too. a great one. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Podcasting After Dark's exclusive interview series with Rob Paulson. And, as always, thank you for your support. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human. Something always watching. Something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone? Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone. A dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook.